Hello, everyone. I welcome you to The Butterfly Effect, a mental health podcast to help you navigate through adversity and begin your transformative journey to healing mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. From anxiety to domestic violence, this podcast will discuss a wide range of mental health topics, hearing real people discuss their raw experiences. Because this podcast touches on sensitive topics, listener discretion is advised, and the information that is provided is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition or be a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing any mental health symptoms while listening, I encourage you to contact somebody that you trust or a mental health provider in your community. So, without further ado, let's get started. Hi, thanks, Queen. I'm to honor to be on here with you, and I'm Kevin Clark. Uh, Kevin McNevin Clark is the way to find me as an author because there's a lot of Kevin Clarks out there, <laughs> and probably only one Kevin McNevin Clark. Um, and the book I wrote is The New Prophet. I work in treating addiction with a specialization as a trauma professional. Um, I myself have been in recovery for 14 years and yeah I mean that's a little bit about me oh well thank you so much so I um as I mentioned to you before I really did thoroughly enjoy your book and I kind of want to dive deep to just get a better understanding of who you are and just allow my audience to get to know you in depth so what inspired you to write this book well uh my first counselor when I went to treatment um he helped me tremendously and he was the first person that I remember ever telling me that he sees me writing a book and then I had what was called a sponsor who's another form of a mentor in the 12-step community and he told me the same thing and when people said it to me it was just kind of like uh there was like that knowing deep inside me that I'd be writing a book one day mm -hmm. and um, I truly believe in living in love and service, and I've been inspired and helped tremendously by books that I've read and have impacted my life mm -hmm. in a big way, and I think it's a way that I can reach people. I believe that I'm gifted as in the helping as a helping professional, as a healing human, um, and it's a way that I can reach more people with my and use my voice um you know in a powerful way to help to help people right and I think that's that's amazing I know that we had talked about like your story a little bit and um when I was reading the book it's almost as if it was like a little biography because I was seeing things that we had previously talked about just when we were chatting and seeing the progression like of the book and it made it to me it was like a lens of a progression of how you grew as a person and how you put that on paper and how you expressed all these little stages and every chapter I paid very close attention to because it's not just the concept it's a piece of you that you it's coming from experience so being able to write it down and put it in a form that could reach people I think is very profound I think that's what makes writers so gifted and so inspiring because 
they pull from personal experience. They pull from the things that they have gone through in order out of love. Like it's not in a selfish manner. It's not to um, forcefully tell someone how to live their life. They're saying, hey, this is how I live. Let me be transparent and vulnerable. And that's one of the chapters of vulnerability. It's like opening yourself up and just like pulling away all of those different layers to get to the depth of the essence of like who you are. So with writing this book, you touch on a variety of different topics. Um, with Were there some personal experiences or traumas that you've endured that contributed to your growth as a person or have inspired different chapters stronger than others? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, I think addiction in and of itself is almost like a series of traumas but I think what led me so or what attracted me so much to addiction was trauma that I suffered before that um so I mean when I was a child I was sexually abused which is something I don't talk about all the time um Mm -hmm. but it's definitely probably one of the most negatively impactful at the time events in my life. Mm. Um, however, like, because it kind of caused me to retreat from my feelings and go into survival mode um, and, you know, really live in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle says, you know, addiction begins in pain and it ends in pain. So that's been my experience. Um, you know, I was a child that was in a tremendous amount of pain and I was extremely sensitive since I was born. I was sensitive emotionally. So I had these big and these loud feelings and it became too much when there was stuff going on. I didn't understand what was going on. And like I said, I kind of retreated into that cave of addiction. Um, I talk about like spiritual homelessness in the book and that's where it eventually took me to that deep yearning feeling inside of I just want to be loved and I just Mm -hmm. want to go home and I had people that loved me you know my parents loved me I had a home um but that feeling was like undeniable and that was like just I was just spiritually sick at that point Mm -hmm. because of that um you know I uh that I always I don't know. I mean, I think I've been probably what some people describe as a seeker my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I was in addiction, I was still seeking, but I was like seeking in all the wrong places. And right. um, it was like this illusion that I was chasing. And then one day I just, I discovered how disconnected I was from my truth. And, um, you know, eventually I was physically separated because of legal consequences. I went to jail for 11 months mm-hmm. and that's where I uh, finally surrendered. And cause I, I knew a year and a half before I went to jail that I wanted out of addiction. I just didn't know what I was up against really and how truly powerless I had become. Right. So does that and make, does that answer your question? It makes perfect sense. And it reminds me of some of a, you know, in your chapter of trauma, something you said, it was, I think, trauma is the past setting your skin on fire in the present. And I think that's the best way of describing 
what it means for trauma victims to experience what is going on mentally and attacking spiritually and emotionally. And then no one could really see the physical consequences, you know? And I think that when we talk about these wounds and it takes, like you mentioned, you mentioned many times of the the skillful hand that it takes to really clean up those wounds and to use the proper tools to do so. It's, it's not just, Oh, I'm going to use, like this type of coping mechanism for this person with trauma and it should work for everybody. Everybody's experiences are so unique and trauma and just mental health is on a spectrum. So anybody that is dealing with issues, you have to tap into who they are as an individual person in order to talk to them in a way so that you know that they know that you are actively listening, that you are being completely present and you're not comparing them to a statistic you're not comparing them to like the things that you think you know when you weren't the one that had walked through that experience you're not the one that dealt with it and I think that it's like the way you describe trauma was like for me I had gone through a lot of trauma a lot of um domestic violence um in my household and having to try to be an adult walking around and sometimes you feel that burn again you feel like your body will take you back your mind will take you back and your body will physically react thinking it's in danger and to explain that to somebody that has never been through anything of that matter or even if they did I mean everyone's so different I think that that's what contributes to people finding different avenues to try to suppress the overwhelming feeling of the trauma or the past catching up with you and I complete and you know I had mentioned to you my mom was a pastor so she she dealt with people with addictions and the core root was that they were running away from something that Mm -hmm. nobody really understood or forced them to suppress so they ended up having to find an avenue to release they had to find somewhere to cope with their situations um so I just thought that that was something that to me I think that that's the one like line that just I kind of like broke down on because I was like, oh my God, like this is the perfect way of describing <laughs> trauma. <laughs> like trauma can be described many different ways. Yeah. And especially in little cliche quotes, but I love that very much. Um, with writing your book, and I know that, you know, after um, jail and stuff like that, I know that you went to school and became mm-hmm. like a counselor and stuff like that. So us from when you were in jail to when you became a counselor, what was the most pinnacle moment for you that you knew you needed to change and you knew that you wanted to pursue something in order to seek that purpose of helping other people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew I wanted out of addiction, like I said, a year and a half before I went to jail, Mm -hmm. but I still wasn't ready to like surrender because I couldn't picture my life without it or with it. But when I went in there, I had this amazing counselor, Carl Street. And like you were saying, he, you know, he saw me through eyes of compassion. He listened with ears of empathy and he created this safe space for me to be vulnerable with another man. And because of that, you know, essentially there was three men that came into my life at the same time. And because, and without one of them, I don't think I'd be here today. Mm-hmm. And he was one of them. He was the only one that was a a counselor. The other two were, uh, one was another inmate. 
mm-hmm. um, who had been in recovery before and just was this like loving guy who'd been to Helen back a few times. And another was a World War II vet um, who was just like my wise grandfather kind of figure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because of Carl and the way that he showed up with me, showed up for me with, you know, genuine love and just like passionate about his work. Um, it was it was during that time working with him that I decided that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I could help one person the way that he helped me, um, I just, it just ripples outward so much, you know, um, yeah. like the butterfly effect. Yes. <laughs> it's like, and that's why I, I, I even named mine in the first place because when I, you know, thought about trauma, when I thought about people all over the world, living their own unique lives in their own skin and their mind processing whatever it is that they encounter every little decision whether you're making it consciously or unconsciously is causing a ripple effect for what is about to come and how you're going to process information and how you're going to view the world around you and view how you view yourself as well and who you let into your life and how you let them into your life because vulnerability is not easy especially you know with being like a man and stuff like that society makes a very big deal about the man being the strong foundation Mm -hmm. like being that person where there's no such thing as emotion there's no such thing as crying there's no such thing as tapping into your mental health because that's a girl's thing and in reality it's like no we're people we are vessels that we hold a spirit and that is that doesn't like it, it just flows, free flows into whatever is going on around it. And it's just trying to understand and process things that are completely unexplainable. You don't walk into this world with a pamphlet that says, hey, like, this is what you do if you deal with like sexual abuse. This is what you do if you deal with addiction. This is what you do if you are having a panic attack. No one teaches you these things yeah. until you understand what it is so you can talk about it to somebody And they're able to give the power and like the gift of empathy and compassion. And um, with him being your um, therapist and everything, I know that you have a chapter about therapy and Mm -hmm. you described a therapist as like a mind mechanic that they just know what gears are performing and like their functions and everything in order to repair like the, the, repair the right parts and using the right tools and just making sure that they're walking you through like that series of feeling so lost. And like, I remember you describing it as like, they have the flashlight and they're just, they're showing you the map of your mind, showing you the things that's going on around you because therapy, as you mentioned, is like getting lost and then finding yourself like at some point that's like, you're going to find yourself. You're going to feel at peace. You're going to find that inner child and you're going to cultivate it you're going to find you know that little that all parts of you that's beautiful um so with the things that you had gone through and just with writing the book and everything like that what was your biggest fear for writing the book my biggest fear for writing it um you know i think I mean, the process of writing it was interesting because there was, like, the creative outpouring, which there's not a whole lot of fear involved in that um, Mm -hmm. because I really tried to just 
not even let my pen stop. I wrote it by hand. Yeah. Um, and I wrote it for seven weeks of this 12-week process I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I just tried to... So there wasn't a lot of fear there, except for sometimes the fear would enter my mind during the middle. Like, is this like... And I'm like setting up like how I'm going to get this published. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. all my wheels are already in motion. And I'm thinking maybe I'm being, you know, maybe I'm, you know, the self-doubt does creep mm-hmm. in for sure. The censor, your harsh inner critic yes. that thing comes up. But I was able to kind of, uh, you know, hear it, but not take its words to heart so much. Mm-hmm. Um and really, writing a book is a great way to see how much you trust yourself. Yeah. Uh, and when you get into the editing process, that's when it really comes down to, like, do I trust what I was writing here? Because um, different people have different takes on the English language. And obviously, I didn't write in perfect English in the whole book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was very raw and authentic. Like, that's something that I think that's, like, the beautiful charm of your book is that it doesn't come from a place where, yeah, I'm a, I'm a counselor and, you know, I'm going to just use all these fancy terms and I'm just going to, it's not an educational book. It's no, it's where one human, I really felt like I was having a conversation like with somebody, like I was having a conversation with you just reading the book because that's how authentic it was. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's more, it's a lot of metaphor, a lot of wisdom, um, there's like a whole background of knowledge and education to some of it. Like, yeah. Like in certain parts I'm referring to, it's inspired by internal family systems, but I'm writing about it in a way that I've never heard about it before yeah. or denial. I'm talking about like different levels of denial, mm-hmm. um, which I could explain in a way from a book, but the way I'm writing about them is more in like painting a picture with words that, yeah. anybody, that anybody can understand, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. especially if you read it, you know, a second time. Or that's why I think metaphors are great because the longer you look at a picture, the more you start to see things you didn't even notice before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess, uh, I mean, and to answer your question from earlier, I think the hardest part was when the book was finally released mm-hmm. um, because I just felt really vulnerable because yeah. I. I had put a lot of like my soul into it and you know, it's out there for the world, but I've done quite a lot of work on myself to the point where also I know to kind of disregard the good opinion of others. And the more, when I started getting more positive feedback about it and even when I reread it myself, I'd be like, wow, this is actually pretty good. You know, like yeah. I'm going to be like the most, probably like someone who's gonna be I be hard be, on yourself a little yeah. like you're gonna you're gonna criticize you're gonna overthink but then it's like you go through that process of like okay I'm gonna read it cool and you read it again you're like wait there's something here and then the more you read it, it's like you could really have an appreciation for what you put out and you're like well this is this is my book this is my this is my creation yeah <laughs> so, yeah, and, and I believe in it. So it's like, yeah. Once you believe in it, it's kind of, you just kind of have to let go of the outcome and how, I mean, because the book might not, you know, but the point is, I created it and it's already reaching people. It's already reached you. 
You know, I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and he was saying that he got tearful, like, reading some of the inner child stuff. And, you know, I've read it to a client before, part about guilt and shame. And, like, he got tearful and, like, told me how it was really helpful. And so, like, that's enough for me, just to know that I'm reaching some people, you know, where they feel, which to me is, like, you know, what makes us human. And what's really what we need right now is to get to a place individually mm-hmm. where we can feel whatever it is that arises so that we can heal collectively because I mean you look around the world and you see like I talk about the age of ego crumbling you know and right. that's kind of what I'm see what I think we're seeing now and honestly I hope we are <laughs> I hope so too I mean lately I mean, I feel like every chapter is for somebody, you know, whether like one chapter will really stand out amongst all of them to whoever reads it. And I think that that's another kind of thing I really liked about the book, because you can really skim. You could read them all, but there will always be chapters that you're going back to and you're reading more and you're like the more you read the more you delve into the words and the more you're trying to cut co- like because the, the mind wants to connect things it wants mm-hmm. to find meaning that's just how we are like as human beings a very beautiful gift um but could also lead to you know overthinking and mm. all of that stuff but yeah. with making those connections i feel like the way that you approach it is soft and it's very like this is what I'm saying. We're going to unpack all of these things, but it's not triggering. It's just more want you to like you're going to look at deep within yourself and you're Mm. going to pair the words with your experiences. And I think that that's the most powerful thing when it comes to the writing process and even with the fears and all the things that you could have, like, you know, that self doubt or, um, just like thinking that you're not good enough over time I just think that you just start to find your avenue you start to find like what really connects and that's how other people are able to connect with you as a person um was there any chapter that I mean every person has like their favorite chapter but is there one that was not necessarily the hardest to write but it it opened up a different part of yourself to actually put it on paper um well i mean i would say that i mean the heart i I guess uh i think when i was writing the book i was i mean the artist way by julia cameron is a spiritual path to creativity right Mm -hmm. that's what it is and um there's a lot of essentially when you unblock your creative self you're doing inner child stuff. Um, so I wouldn't say that the part about... I'd say... Sadness was probably... I mean, because sadness was the emotion that I was uh, most blocked off from allowing myself to experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I could experience, like, overwhelm sadness, but right. never, like, that's, like... You know, there's like layers of anger on top of that and layers of fear below that. And then underneath it all, you know, it's like that true sadness. Mm -hmm. So as I've learned and I think as I was learning to um, 
during that time and shortly before that time just to really be with my sadness. Um, I finally uh, understood what a gift it was to mm-hmm. have it in the first place. Um, and almost like, you know, I, uh, if I were a wishing kind of person, which I'm not really, I would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would wish that like I had been able to give myself permission to feel that sadness much sooner. But you know, it takes what it takes for all of us in our process. Um, right. And I think if I hadn't got to a place of like truly loving myself before, I, I don't think I would have wrote the book till I got to a place where I fully uh, loved myself. Because yeah. When you truly fall back in love with yourself, there's no longer any doubt. Like, you're t- that's what I mean by like, sure, like that voice of self doubt would come in sometimes, but mm-hmm. ultimately, like, I know who I am. I know what my intentions are, um, and I'm good with that. You know, definitely. And I, it's so funny that you say that. Um, sadness was the one. The sadness for me was my. That was my favorite chapter, and that's the one that made me cry the most, <laughs> mainly because. <laughs> I also see sadness as a gift and, you know, growing up, my dad, he would always, cause I'm a very emotional and sensitive person. And that's just something that I've just honed as more of a, um, a strength rather than a weakness totally because I feel like emotions were gifted to human beings, like to be able to feel so much and to have all these wide array of emotions and things that we could possibly feel that we can't put a word to, I think is very powerful. I think that that's a superpower and when I would cry and I would get super emotional my dad would almost you know inadvertently just um put me down for it and make me feel as though I have to suppress that part of me but when you were like because I'm gonna read the excerpt because this one if I I'm just gonna get this whole thing tattooed somewhere <laughs> um That'd be but badass, yeah. in the book, it said, uh, I know you said, uh, when he finally opens the door, talking about sadness, and addresses mm-hmm. this unwanted visitor, he shouts, well, what is it? What do you want from me? Sadness <laughs> replies, it is not what I want. It's not what I want to take from you. It's what I want to give you. That hit me so hard because I'm, that it's true. When you're so upset and you're, you want to express yourself, but you're still trying to act like the strong person and try to stand tall sadness is really just that person that's like hey I want to just give you something and then I know in the book he says it gives you a hug that's exactly how I view like that's that's that that is the idea of surrendering to yourself surrendering to being vulnerable with yourself and to other people and to the universe and just the process of how life is because Sadness is not a bad thing. Like sadness is not something that should be, people should not be condemned for how they feel in moments where they feel completely out of their element and completely almost like spiritually naked in a way. And they're like trying to cower away or hide from it or try to put on that strong face. But we can't, that's like a very negative defense mechanism. Sometimes, you know, when you are suppressing the things that you are going through and you're trying to tell yourself like, that you're fine and in reality you're not you start falling to other types of things that your mind gets conditioned to to where it will never recognize when you should be positively reacting to things or not and i think that you talking about sadness in that way it's it made me think about it made it reaffirmed how i thought about 
my emotions, but it also made me feel confident to know that I could really embrace who I am and learn from my emotions and learn when I'm having that emotional response in order to shift whether or not it's a good thing for me and I'm not falling into any like codependent behaviors or anything that's like causing disruption with like the denial or running away from things, you know, being in like a fantasy world and actually approaching things with a clear mind, knowing how I feel, knowing why I feel it, connecting the dots. And I just love that. Like that was a good time. That inner child. That's one of my favorite lines in there too, actually. Yeah. I just just imagine sadness. Like, (laughs) have you seen that movie uh, in and out inside out? Yeah. Inside out. Oh my God. Please, Lord. <laughs> Inside out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that like the the sadness, like little emotion. That's literally what I imagined. Like the the sadness one. That's like, I would just want to give you a hug. I was just like, oh, it just warmed my heart. Um, but anywho, I I'm cracking up that I said. <laughs> Oh, in and out. <laughs> in and out. I'm thinking of food. And te- like, I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about food because I must it's be hungry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, now you've talked about, the, like, the one chapter I want to ask you about is the chapter about love. And I know yeah. that you're married and you have two, um, two kids, right? Three, yeah. three. Three. I have a stepdaughter. She's 18. Okay, and so I three. have the twins that are five and a half or oh. whatever twin age. Oh, just precious. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like not only I felt I'm just gonna go off of my interpretation. I felt mm-hmm. like the love just wasn't about the love that you learned to give yourself, but I felt like because of your past and things that you've gone through, and you've only wanted to feel loved and cared for and feel that genuine compassion. I felt like the chapter was almost like dedicated to your wife and dedicated to your kids for showing you a different side of love that was almost like taken from you Um, or love that you never got a chance to receive because you felt like it was taken advantage of. And I just want to know when you were writing that, what was truly going through your mind? Yeah, I wrote a lot on love, so probably – there was definitely a lot going on in my mind, probably. Um, I know one part where I talk about, because whenever I think about my children's love for me, mm-hmm. I mean, I think about the way, like, my daughter, like, pets my head, um, <laughs> or the way that my son would run up and hug me after a day at work. And I talk, I think I talk about, the, it's like, that is like the gold of life to me. Yeah. Um, when I can actually, like, uh, you know, when I'm slowed down enough to appreciate it, which I really um do a pretty good job i think of being mindful enough to appreciate those moments um but that definitely got reflected in there because they're great teachers of love children are mm-hmm. um and yeah i definitely i absolutely you know i love my wife and she's taught me a lot about love i mean and our relationship has kind of taught me that like there is no container for love and mm-hmm. you know there's not like uh you know it's really this limitless thing and then when I talk about like when love looked in the mirror she saw herself and in that moment she saw everyone else yeah almost like 
when you get that self-love because you see yourself clearly, mm-hmm. um, you just you just love everybody. Right. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you just want everyone else to have that. And you want to teach people how to love themselves because it's just, uh, I don't know, I mean, it's the most beautiful, there's not words that can really describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, all the philosophers in the world have been trying to understand love and how it could have these different masks in a way like it could make you you have different types of love you have infatuation you have like the friend like the love that you have with friends or the platonic type of love you have love that makes people crazy and insane um people will die and kill for love and it's like yeah how is something so beautifully chaotic <laughs> um but with love i just feel like there's so many different facets of understanding it and in reality I feel like to understand love is to not try to understand it at all that yeah. it's just this like ball of whatever it is that you want to make it whatever you put in is what you're going to get out of it and you can learn so much from the love that you give just to other people because when you receive it from them you learn how to love even more and you want to love more. You feel compelled because love just is an energy. Mm. It's not, it's more than just a feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like forgiveness too. Yes. Like Like forgiveness is the same way. Yeah. Just like a spiritual power almost. And it's like a two way street. So like, as I forgive you, I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I forgive you. I learn to love myself. I learn to Mm -hmm. love you better. It's just like a, Yeah. Yeah, I, I that that was the that was a beautiful line. Like, I forgive you, I forgive me, and I'm just like, this is so true. Like, a lot of these different things are spiritually based, and I just feel like as much as we walk around with this physical encasing, it is actually just a protective barrier for something that's so beautiful underneath, and something that needs that protection, and but needs grounding, and it's like. Finding grounding physically is one thing, but finding that sense of grounding and sense of self and coming back to that, like who you are at the core is Mm -hmm. what is how you're able to grow. That's how you're able to move forward um, from things that you just never thought you would ever get over. And that's something I really try to emphasize on my platform when I bring on guests or when I talk about different topics is that mental health is not just something you see in a textbook, unlike science and math and things that are very like concrete, where yeah. it's like you get you get a problem, you get an answer, and it'll always be that answer. Mental health is not like that. Understanding yourself is not like that because you may go through an experience that you've been through before. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a different result, meaning you get a different emotional response. You get a different like perspective of things. And I think that's a very beautiful moment to have because you're able to unpack things in a way where you are seeing growth as a continuous process rather than like, oh, I'm supposed to be done with growing now. Like I've yeah. been through everything. Like I'm fine. I'm just going to be okay. Right. Grow. You're going to grow to the day that you die. And even when you die, you're still not good. It's not about reaching a goal. It's not about no. finishing. It's yeah. just about understanding and and just falling deeper and deeper into yourself yeah 100 percent. oh my so um 
just to like, you know, wrap things up with you. Um, what is something that you would, a life lesson that you have learned and things that you have seen within the people that you see, you know, as, as your patients, what is one vital lesson that you have learned that you really try to embody when you are being with your kids or when you are helping your patients? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the biggest lesson is to, it's not about feeling good or feeling better all the time, but being better at feeling and just allowing yourself to feel whatever it is, because, you know, you know, they say feelings aren't facts, but I mean, it is a fact that you're having those feelings and not try to interpret it or understand it or think about it um, and connect with your body. I think that's really an important part um, because like, you know, I mean, a lot of trauma stored in the body and mm-hmm. so a lot of us have disconnected from that. A lot of us, we live in mental distraction. Um, we don't even realize how disconnected we are from it. So, um, but I think the biggest thing is whatever you're feeling, it's okay to be feeling that way because mm-hmm. you know emotions um you know it we don't have to like use them we don't have to it doesn't mean we have to like let's see what's her name i think her name's dr susan david maybe but she says something about like how emotions are data and not directives yeah you know? so not to like attach ourselves to the feeling uh, like I am angry because you know we're not like but if I'm experiencing anger that's totally like like that's yeah I mean just experience your feelings I think that's the biggest most important component of mental health mm-hmm. um, and of being human yeah it's all it's all part of the the unique process of just being yourself and recognizing that you are fragile and there's nothing wrong with that. Like the things that the words that we use that have been attached to different emotions, whether it's by, by society or by culture, you have to give definition to what your life, what you want your life to be or how you want to feel and how much you want to feel that emotion and how much you want to open yourself up to even think about growing as a person and think about how you're going to cultivate the parts of you that are just waiting to be like waiting to be unlocked, ready to embrace you wholeheartedly. And I think that I know that you had talked about that with discussing in like inner child is how it's like that inner child is there. It's waiting for you and it's not mad at you. It's not angry. It's just been it. All it just wants is to be embraced. It wants to be held. It wants to be seen. And I think that we all want to be seen. Aside from how we feel spiritually, physically, as people, we seek to be comforted and we seek to find a sense of security. And sometimes you have to take that bold step to find that sense of security for yourself, so that way you can invite that same energy from the people that you encounter, whether it's for a long time or not a long time at all. I think that's, it's just a beautiful process. And like I said, I enjoyed this book and it was absolutely amazing. And there were just so many unforgettable quotes, things that still just, I'm thinking about even right now, or it's like, 
there's so much that has just been that has opened my eyes and opened my eyes to a different part of my healing journey and I just thank you so much for even reaching out and they, I express so much gratitude to you as a person and kudos to you for writing this book and I just send lots of love to you and to your family because I know that they're proud of you and um <laughs> and it, it was just really amazing like thank you so much for being on yeah thank you for having me yeah I uh I really am honored to be on and I'm honored that you're getting that kind of value out of what I wrote because that just I mean that that means everything to me so awesome thank you bye